a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. And the problem that God has with that is that he didn't command it or institute it. He, he, he only wants images that he commands and institutes to be made. And when he makes himself, when, when the scripture says that Jesus is the very image of God, then he has made an image of himself for us, Jesus. And if we were to not have pictures of Jesus, then we would be breaking the second commandment. But now all this rests upon this moment and that you must do the right thing in order to reap the benefits of this. If you're going to be forgiven, if you're going to be atoned for, if you're going to get the imputed righteousness of God, you must then do this. And and this is what's so terrible about what we call decision theology is that it, it takes everything away of the gospel and puts it all back on the law. I mean, this is a stop the press sort of thing to see God, you know? Wow! That's amazing! Stop the song! Tell us about that! That's great! Everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. You're listening to Table Soccer Radio. Evan Gigline here with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Hey, Evan. And by everyone, you mean our four listeners. Yeah, all four of them, though. We did it. We did the math. We did the math, and we just confirmed that the fact that there are we have as many listeners as there are Calvinists with senses of humor in the world. So. <laughs> That's a news flash. <laughs> oh, we're going to prove that in just a minute. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, tell us then what we're doing today, Pastor. We've got some email to respond to, a couple Calvinists getting on our case uh, with senses of humor. Then we're going to play, hey, we're going to play this new game called Prove It. Uh, and the way this game works is we're going to uh, give each other confessional statements. I've got some phrases from the Creed, and Evan has some phrases from Luther's small called articles. And we're going and the and the the task is to prove it from the scriptures. Uh, and then if we have some time, we're going to play a little Mythbusters, which is similar to Prove It, except for it's more like Disprove It. Uh, <laughs> we're going to take some common uh, theological phrases, uh, sayings, and we are going to examine them and to see if they are are uh, confirmed or, or or busted. Or what's the other option? Uh, plausible. Plausible. Yeah. Hey, that's like, I think that's the first time we've ever remembered what we're doing the show in the show lineup. It's right here in front of me. Now, tell us the phone number to Table Talk Radio. 1-800-AWESOMENESS. <laughs> Try that one. See, what, who, I, see who answers. I thought I thought that if we got this nice, easy phone number that our co-host oh, could oh, remember yeah. it. 1-877-SOLA. No, 1-800-385-SOLA is the voicemail system to Table Talk Radio. You can uh, call that to give us uh, your comments and questions. Uh, 1-800-385-SOLA. Nice. SOLA. So close. You got the 877 from our old number, and then you put the new uh, letters to the... Oh, oh well. Oh, well. I'm, I'm, getting, I, I'm getting used to I hardly ever call. I mean, I, I only call... Oh, so, so are the listeners. I only call uh, <laughs> I only call our phone number like twice a day, so... How can I... Yeah, I don't, I don't see why you would know it yet. <laughs> All right. Well, first, we're going to start off doing some buzzwords. Did you forget? No, I'm pressing oh. random article here on Theopedia, oh, and it's okay. coming up with all these professors for Westminster Seminary. <laughs> i got to keep going here. So you better go first. So that's like buzzword fail. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I know. I don't want to know who the exegetical professor is at Westminster. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, um, I, 
this can be in in English or Latin, but I think I might give you a, 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 some bonus points, fifty extra bonus points if you do it in Latin. All right. Uh, the Latin is uh, fide salvifica, uh, which I think just sounds cool. Fide salvifica, or saving faith. Uh, this is this is a faith that's given to us um, as as a gift from God, and it's given to us um, by His means, namely His Word. Uh, faith comes from hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Um, that word is also attached to uh, uh, baptism, for example, that uh, we're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, so that so that his word uh, is, is efficacious to give us this gift of faith. And by this faith, we receive uh, the gifts of God, we receive uh, life, salvation, and forgiveness. And it's uh, by this faith, as the, as the term implies, that we have salvation, saving faith. So fide salvifica. Nice. Fide salvifica. That's so faith is the getting part of God's given. I think uh, I was working on uh, a little foreign language this morning, by the way, at the breakfast table, because I was, you know how uh, all the piano instructions, um, al dente and, and forte and all this are in Italian? Yeah. And I was trying to figure out what the Italian phrase for with vigor, because I was trying to get Andrew to eat his breakfast a little speedier. <laughs> and I thought it would be something like con frio or something like this. But uh, but it's con brio. Oh. <laughs> That doesn't sound with vigor. It actually sounds better in English, doesn't it? So if you were trying to eat your burrito quickly, con brio burrito. Con brio, Andrew. <laughs> con brio. Oh, yeah, I see. Con brio burrito. That would be right. That's how to say it. If Italian and Spanish. We're a multi-ethnic show here. I but mine is a plain old English word. Oops, where did it go here? Aha. And we've talked about it before, but it just is the first decent thing that came up on Theopedia, and it is rationalism. Mm-hmm. Rationalism. You want the you want the Calvinist definition? Rationalism is a philosophy. As a philosophy stresses reason as a means of determining truth. Mind is given authority over sense. Uh, there you go. So rational. That's good to get the Calvinist definition because if we uh, if we depart from that, we get emails. That's a nice segue. And that's what's next. <laughs> uh, was, that, was that a segue? Yeah, it was. Oh. <laughs> All right, we got Thanks. You got to I'm not <laughs> Good. That's smooth. Very smooth. We, Sorry we, to wreck we it got a uh, we got a email from Pastor Charmley. Uh I don't have his address. He sent another email telling us where he is from. He's in England. England somewhere. Um this is kind of a big abstract over there anyway. Any, anyone else? Pastor Charmley is the guy who I said he had two things going against him, remember? Uh, that he was British. Uh, two things going against having a sense of humor. He was British and he was a Calvinist. Right, so. right. <laughs> and then I thought that, that 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 had lost it. But no, he he got back on your case for something, and that's this email, right? Okay, so he says, apologies for the lateness of my email. Well, apologies for the lateness of addressing your email on the show. Uh, I, am, I am engaged in a catch-up exercise while recovering from Christmas. So that uh, indicates how uh, how late uh, this this response is. Yeah, uh, I was listening yeah, yeah. to show uh, number 122. Evan obviously wasn't paying attention in class because his definition of higher criticism is found in no theological dictionary on the planet, to my knowledge. Higher criticism is, in fact, that department of biblical criticism that deals with the prehistory of the text, i.e., it is um, how it assumed the shape that it has today. Lower criticism, better known as textual criticism, is concerned with reconstructing the original text from the manuscripts that we have today. Higher criticism seeks to go back behind the text to a stage before the manuscripts. This is concerned with sources and the like. It has often been used by people who wish to deconstruct the text um, and who do not believe that the Bible is the word of God, 
but this is no necessary part of higher criticism. Because it so often deals with hypotheticals, the higher criticism often uh, degenerates into subjective fantasies based on the presuppositions and pre- of the critic. So basically, in my definition of higher criticism, I jump to the conclusion of how higher criticism is used rather upon the, the, the basic definition of what higher criticism is, which isn't necessarily to doubt the God's word. He goes on. But if you have ever read a book or article about the relationship between the synoptic gospels, you have entered into the world of higher criticism. If so you, that doesn't apply to you, does it? No. If you have ever <laughs> read <laughs> – if you have ever asked questions about Luke's sources – you are in the world of higher criticism. A sane and reasonable higher criticism exists that does not deny the inspiration of the scriptures, but also recognizes the human authors of the historical books used of the historical books used sources. So uh, he ends the email by saying, "I hope you don't get what is higher criticism as a TI question, Evan. <laughs> Still, you should have paid attention in class." <laughs> hey, you passed your TI, by the way. I did. We, so, and we're and here I, to I, report that. Evan uh, passed his TI. I mean, skin of his teeth sort of thing, but he made it right, through. Right. Yeah, and, and I didn't get that question, uh, what is higher criticism? So uh, Too bad, because you could have answered it. Yeah, Pastor Charmley, thank you for sending the email. I think it's kind of nice, isn't it, that we can uh, learn what higher criticism is from the Calvinists, and they can learn what Christology <laughs> is from us? That works out pretty good. And the doctrine of the atonement, yeah, that, and I mean, law that, and gospel. That's a pretty fair trade-off, I think. I have another Calvinist email here. Are you ready for this one? I guess. Yeah, okay. This is from uh, Rubrad, the official Calvinist blogger of Table Talk Radio. Um, that's a, it's a designation, he says, that has now been accomplished, although you may not have yet applied it. <laughs> <laughs> it says, Dear Pastor Iron, mixed with clay preacher Wolfmuller, <laughs> and Evan giggles the radio clown gig line, hey. I'm writing to let you... <laughs> I know. I'm writing to let you two know that you've got a pretty good show there. I would even go so far as to call it the best thing to happen to Lutheranism since Calvinism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But it needs help. So I've decided, rather God has foreordained whatsoever has come to pass, to come to your assistance. Who am I, you might ask? I'm a Calvinist blogger. You know, one of the guys you poke fun at on your show because I have one, two, three, four, five Calvinist blogs. So this guy... <laughs> <laughs> he does have five blogs. I'm telling you, these Calvinists are prolific. <laughs> Lutherans are busy having children, and Calvinists are busy writing blogs. <laughs> well, it's a good thing. The email continues. It's wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. Before this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you have a little blog baby of your own, don't you? I do, I do, yeah. The, the worldwide Wolf Mule. Oh, my goodness. And this this has been, I mean, just a, a wildly popular thing. I mean, I know, I know. I had you to get, get what? five people look at it the other two, day. Two visits a day, it. maybe? No, no. I think our average is up to like 5.2 or something. Yeah, but how Incredible. many of those were you? Well, probably four, but never mind that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, let's let's pause right now, and uh, we'll we'll come back after this break talking uh, more about this email from uh, our our Calvinist listeners. How do we have so many Calvinist listeners anyway? Don't we? Don't we? Uh, you know, are we kind of hard on our, for our cousins? Our, They're our, like the people that get kidnapped and fall in love with their torturers. <laughs> That's it. Well, we hear more about uh, the Calvinist blogs and Pastor Wolfmuller's blog right after this. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The Low Budget Alternative. 
to staring at the wall. This is Table Talk Radio. Confessing Christ in a Lethal World The 2011 Our Lutheran Faith Lay Theological Conference features Professor John Pless speaking about Lutheran ethics in a postmodern culture of death. It all takes place Saturday, February the 19th at Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Loveland, Colorado. Registration is free and lunch is provided. For more information and for RSVP instructions, Click on the flyer on the homepage at tabletalkradio.org. Oh, I remember a time when life was so much simpler and not so quick. Way back in the year 2006, never heard of RSSs. My hands were full with two email addresses and a MySpace page lying about my income and age. I also had a blog about remote control cars, roboblog.blogspot.com. I updated it multiple times a year. And just when I thought I had it all figured out, my little brother started a video blog. I refuse to be left here in the digital dust. I'm socially networking my way back on time. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Uh, we're in the middle of... You know, Pastor always makes fun of the Calvinists with five blogs, and then he gets an email from one. So, Pastor, continue your email reading of uh, this Calvinist blogger. Yeah, yeah. Rubrad continues, It's a good thing for you that I do have all these blogs, because I have voluntarily condescended to harness the power of the Calvinist blogosphere to work for you. That's uh, There's some theological reference in there, by the way. <laughs> I think he said later, he says, I should play, uh, we should play Bible B with this email since it contains so many scripture references. <laughs> uh, in return, you will give me, not as a gift, but as my due, the title of official, official Calvinist blogger of Table Talk Radio. Given! Rubrat, it's yours! So, here's how this will work. To get the ball rolling, I've already written a post, which was very kind, recommending that all my readers listen to Table Talk Radio. As my readers start listening, they will in turn post recommendations of their own, which will expose Table Talk Radio to more Calvinist bloggers, etc. Once the news of TTR is fully in, with, and under the twice 10, 10,000, 10 times 10,000 Calvinist blogs that are out there, you will have to expand <laughs> your audience from 7 to 70 times 7. <laughs> in order to accelerate this exponential growth, you should give something to the Calvinist blogging community. What is needed is a small image. It could be graven, but preferably it would be a, a ping or a gif that Calvinist bloggers can download from your website. It should say, pa Pastor Brian's favorite Calvinist blog. I'm working on it. It's in process. And any and all Calvinists would be free to install it on their blogs as a sign and seal of, well, nothing much, because that's what <laughs> Calvinists have in their sign and seal. <laughs> that's my addition here. Because such a statement is as meaningless as 12 baskets of Table Talk radio points. More importantly, all those Calvinist bloggers would set it up as a button that clicks through to tabletalkradio.org. Just think how many click-throughs you could get if there were Pastor Brian's favorite Calvinist blog button on every Calvinist blog out there. Okay, so... I planted the idea, but only God can make it grow. <laughs> you let me know when you're ready to participate in God's wonderful plan for your podcast. <laughs> Yours in Christ, Rue Brad, the official Calvinist blogger of Table Talk Radio. Yep, there it is. Wow. We have an official <laughs> Calvinist blogger now? Yeah, yeah. Here's some PSs here. P.S. I'm highly offended that you require me to contact you through an email address called Questions. Calvinist bloggers do not have questions. 
nor do they <laughs> desire to listen to other people's answers. <laughs> Before contacting you further, I'll require you to establish an email address of answers at tabletopradio.org. <laughs> PPS, in further demonstration of my good faith, since even faith itself cannot be meritorious, I am offering the following ideas to use on your show. You could use this email itself to play Bible Bee or Witch Church Body, since as a Calvinist blogger, my language is all obviously suffused with biblical and confessional words, phrases, categories, etc. And then he's got about 20 other uh, ideas here that prove that Calvinists have too much time on their hands. <laughs> well, so there you go. So case... we have an official Calvinist blogger. And soon, I gotta get, I gotta get cranking on this. I started the other day. I took the picture because it's. I, I want to have my face with a thumbs up and a wink in it in a circle where it says uh, Pastor Brian's favorite Calvinist blog for the little icon there. So it's in the works, Ruprad, and we'll get a hold of you soon with that, with that uh, little link. In case there was any question that Calvinists have too much time on their hands, uh, I know we could we could play MythBusters. Do Calvinists have too much time on their hands? Confirmed. <laughs> Confirmed. That's how this that's how this next game got started. Prove it. We had this game MythBusters, and you would take a theological statement, and uh, we would analyze it, you know, throw it against the Bible, and see see if it sticks. And uh, so we want to go the other way. We want to say, no, where's that in the Bible? We don't want to, uh, it's going the opposite way of Mythbusters. And so how this works is Pastor and I will give each other uh, theological uh, statements of faith, uh, parts of our of our confession of faith, and then we have to, the other person has to uh, make a, a biblical defense, uh, prove it from the Bible. So that's how it works. Um why don't you go first, Pastor, as far as giving me uh, your first one? Yeah, sure. I, I picked um, phrases from the from the creed. Um, now, the, the important part maybe of this game, and the reason why we're doing it, is because we all we always want our theology to grow from the Bible, and the and the more there's a tendency to the more we kind of talk about the the details and minutia of the of our the, theological uh, understanding the the more tempted we are to to take a step away from the scriptures and from the true word of god so this game is simply to pull us back in fact in fact i was reading something about confirmation uh, the other day and they said one of the one of the chief goals of confirmation has to be that the children uh, can prove all the things that they confess from the specific words of the scriptures so that's the idea. And here's, here's the first one from you. I, I have phrases from the creed that I want you to prove for me. And the first one is this, that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Ah, this is in the Bible, actually. This wasn't uh, made up uh, <laughs> from, you know, as the higher critics will say. Not that, you know, every higher critic is a doubter of the Bible. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to offend all of our Calvinist higher critics out there <laughs> who are just reading about the synoptics. <laughs> right, that's right, that's right. Luke, Luke apparently made a bunch of notes uh, when he was talking, to, when he was interviewing Mary. And then um, it's not in the Bible, but there was probably these notes. Uh, but but to, but to talk about higher criticism, um, I mean, a, a lot of scholars like to uh, place uh, mark and priority. And, and, you know, this is a whole other conversation, but. Um, you know, one of the you know possible reasons why that is 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 that Mark doesn't mention the virgin birth, and so they say, well, uh, that was a theology that developed later in some of the later writings, the later gospel uh, writers. So that's that's a bunch of hogwash. So it's all over the scripture, uh, like in, in Matthew uh, one, um, the the first chapter of Matthew. It, it, 
uh, verses 20, 22 and 23. Now this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with a child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And that is a quotation uh, from Isaiah chapter 7. So here we have the, the New Testament saying that uh, the Old Testament is fulfilled in Christ. Um, right there in the Bible. So that, that one's clear. Also another reference, uh, Luke chapter 1, um, that, uh, that the angel Gabriel was sent to God uh, from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be a man whose name was Joseph and, uh, and said, Greetings, favor one, the Lord is with you. So here we have uh, that, that Mary was a virgin there too. So uh, those are a couple, couple references of which we have the doctrine of, of the virgin birth. Nice. Very All right. good. All right. Now, I have uh, entries for you from Luther's small cult articles, and these are a little bit uh, longer. Um, and I did edit them a little bit. So to, I mean, because the nice thing about our Lutheran confessions is it has the Bible verses right in there. So I went out and took those out to make you do the work. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh. You didn't even know that, did you? No. All right. Well, the, the first one is from small cult articles, part three, paragraphs one and two. Here we must confess that sin originated and entered the world from one man, Adam, by whose disobedience all men were made sinners and subject to death and the devil. This is called original or capital sin. The fruits of this sin are afterwards the evil deeds which are forbidden in the Ten Commandments, such as distrust, unbelief, false faith, idolatry, to be without the fear of God, presumption, recklessness, despair, blindness, or complete loss of sight, and in short, not to know or regard God. Furthermore, to lie, to swear by, to abuse God's name, to swear falsely, to not pray, to not call upon God, not to uh, not to regard or to despise or neglect God's word, to be disobedient to parents, to murder, to be unchaste, to steal, deceive, etc. Okay, so this is original sin, so it talks about how our hearts are utterly corrupt, and the essence of that is we don't fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And then it manifests itself; it manifests itself in all this sort of wicked acts and deeds. Um, yeah, this is the game where we said usually we should do a little work before we do this, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that now that you're reading it. Well, here, here, I, I mean, uh, the 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 particular text that we want to go to in the Old Testament is is Psalm 51. Where uh, where David says, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. So from the very beginning, we stand as sinners. I mean, from the moment of our conception. Uh, but I think the best the best explanation of this, and this again is another place where the old te- the New Testament quotes the Old Testament, is 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 Paul's argument in Romans chapter three. So so the argument is Paul is showing that everyone is under sin. And he's gonna and he's gonna quote uh, all these psalms to prove it. So start, Romans chapter three, starting with verse nine. What then are we better than they? Are we Jews better than the Gentiles? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. And now here he's gonna string together all of these all of these psalms. And listen to this: There is no one righteous, no, not one. There's no one who understands, none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable. There is no one who does good, no, not one. Romans chapter 3. Well, there you have it. Well, we're going to continue this game at Prove It 
uh, in which we prove it, uh, the doctrines of our faith from the Bible. What a concept. Uh, we're going to do that more right after this break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Don't go away during this commercial break. Tell me how you know now You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Never imitated, never duplicated. I'm selling you something. <laughs> I know you don't believe it, but it's true. I am. I, I'm trying to sell you or your congregation. If you're not a pastor, if you could give this information to your pastor, I'd really appreciate it. An electronic baptismal certificate. It's an electronic, customized uh, for your church certificate that prints out on an 11 by 17 page. It, it's an old-fashioned looking, but uh, a technologically up-to-date certificate with woodcut images, the four catechism baptismal verses, uh, and a place to input electronically uh, baptismal information, and it's available for $35 per congregation, and you can print as many as you want uh, until the Lord Jesus returns. Uh, the way to see this certificate and get I- input to me for it or order it is to go to wolfsoncreative.com. It's W-O-L-F-S-O-N. C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E dot com. And you can click on the certificate there and, and see it. You can even print a sample to see if it, you can print it out. And order information is all there as well. So, again, it's wolfsoncreative.com. That's a customizable electronic baptismal certificates for your congregation. Uh, thanks for your time. And, see, I am trying to sell you something, and I hope you'll buy it. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, where we're playing the game Prove It. And uh, I didn't get any points for my my great answer there. Uh, oh, yeah. How many do you want? <laughs> Are we recording a show or what? Yeah. We're, we're, we're either doing here. that or checking your email. I can't remember which. Maybe we're doing both <laughs> what we're doing. You were about to give me 1,000 points for my... my 1,000 points. All right. Uh, okay, so uh, it's time then for another entry for you to give me. All right, ready? So I get this another. This is also from points. the Creed. This is. Oh, do I get points for mine? By the way. Yeah, two hundred. No, oh, thanks. <laughs> You're. Are you? Oh, you must be paying attention to the show. Yeah, I don't check my email during the show. Oh man, uh, let's see. I'll send you one here and see if it dings <laughs> on your computer. This is my phrase from the Creed for you that I want you to prove from the Bible. Talking about Jesus, second article. He will come again in glory to judge the quick and the dead. Right. This is in the Bible, actually. Um, and actually, when when you got the email, I was thinking, man, where? Uh, I mean, that, that's that's in kind of bits and pieces all over the place. Um, and so I did I did take the time to look it up. First uh, Peter four and five um, verses. Well, I'll start with four. Um, in all this, they were surprised that you did not run with them into the same excuses. Um, and that they malign you, but they will give the account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So you have it there, but also uh, pretty clearly in Acts chapter 10, verse 42 also, and he ordered us to preach to the people 
and solemnly to justify, uh, to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. And of course, here as, as we use the language here of living and the dead, we're talking about those um, uh, you know, on, on, on the last day, those who have faith and those who who are apart from faith. Uh, and so that uh, that that on the last, you always, you always hear that uh, that that one day you're going to stand before God and give an account before your life. I think that's Rick Warren, right? And, uh, everyone says that. Yeah, <laughs> but that's true. I mean, Rick Warren. That's how he starts out that book that he wrote, the Purpose Driven um, Disaster whatever. Life, yeah. uh, Purpose Driven Death. <laughs> and the, the whole point is that nothing that you've done in this life is good enough to to merit eternal life. Nothing. I mean, you, you can't do anything because everything that we do. Is is tainted and ruined by sin, and, and if if we can't do a, a work apart from sin, then we obviously can't merit our salvation, uh, which is ruined by our own works, by the, the the smallest of sins. So a lifetime of of sin, being completely born into sin, uh, won't merit eternal life. Uh, eternal life is only won by the life given to us um, by the gift of faith. And so now, when we stand before the judge. Uh, uh, we stand before Christ in the last day. Uh, he says uh, that, that you're innocent because we've been declared innocent by uh, the death of Jesus. So uh, here's another passage, 2 Timothy 4, 1. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. Nice. Very good. All right. I have another one for you. Okay. Uh, again, from the Small Code Articles 3-4. Um, we will now return to the gospel, which not merely in one way gives us counsel and aid against sin. For God is super abundantly rich and liberal in his grace and goodness. First, through the spoken word by which the forgiveness of sins is preached, he commands to be preached in the whole world which is the peculiar office of the gospel. Secondly, through baptism. Third, through the holy sacrament of the altar. Fourthly, through the power of the keys and also through the mutual conversation of the consolation of brethren. So yeah, yes, this is this yeah. fantastic. I mean, this is what, what Luther's here doing is the so first remember gospel, just what the word means is good news. There's a word in here which is which would really ring the bell of anyone listening at the time that Luther wrote it. And that's this word, superabundant. God is superabundantly rich and liberal in his grace. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, th- and the word superabundance was the word, was the word used to describe the good works of the saints that they did um, a- after they had, they had done all their good works. So that um, once, once you do all your good works, now you do more than all that you need to, to fill up your own merit and to be a saint and go to heaven. Now the extra good works that you do go into the treasury of merit, and that's what's applied to people through indulgences, see? Mm-hmm. So the superabundant works of the saints. But Luther takes that word, the superabundance, and he says, look, we don't need the superabundant works of the saints because we have the superabundant grace of God in the gospel. And then he's just going to simply list the ways that the Lord gives us his gospel. He's going to list five things here, huh? First, through the spoken word, by which the forgiveness of sins is preached in the whole world, which is the peculiar office of the gospel. 
Well, there's a couple things there. The one would be uh, Romans 1, 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of salvation to all who believe, to Jew first and then to the, and then to the Gentile. So Romans 1, 16 and 17. Also, the words of our Lord, for example, in Luke 24, when he sends out his disciples to go into all the world, uh, etc. So that's the first one. Uh, first, through the spoken word which is preached in the whole world, procure their office of gospel. Secondly, through baptism. So that we note it, we note in the scripture that the blessings of forgiveness of sins and life and salvation are connected to baptism, with uh, verses like Mark 16:16, 16, 16, "He who believes and is baptized shall be saved." Uh, Acts 2:38, "Be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins." Acts 22, "Arise and be baptized and wash your sins away." Uh, the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Titus 3:5, etc. Third, through the holy sacrament of the altar. That's the Lord's Supper, and that comes to us from the words of institution where Jesus says, uh, this is the New Testament shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus himself promises forgiveness connected with the Lord's Supper. Fourth, through the power of the keys, that would be uh, texts like um, Matthew uh, 16 and Matthew 18 where Jesus talks about the keys to the kingdom. Uh, Whoever sins you bind, they're bound. Whoever sins you loose, they're loosed. And also John chapter 20, where Jesus, after he's ascended, breathes on his disciples and tells them, forgive the sins of any. If you forgive their sins, they're forgiven. If you bind their sins, they're bound. And finally, through the mutual conversation and consolation of the brethren, uh, that means that Christians uh, edify one another in their conversation. And that would be, we would uh, get that doctrine from a verse like Matthew 18, where our Lord promises, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Right. Good job. I'll give you another 200 points. (laughs) For each scripture? (laughs) (laughs) 20,000. So the score, did I get another, how many points did I get for that last one? Uh, I guess you got another 1,000 points. All right, the score is 2,000. I think points go farther in um, in here in Aurora than they do up there in Fort Wayne. <laughs> That's probably true. They, 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 you can spend them um, amongst your amongst your congregation, whereas I noticed my, after you passed my, your TI that you didn't have any points left. It's like, oh, bribery. <laughs> That's right. That's the only way I could do it. Okay, just pass me. I'll give you table talk radio uh, points. Few, few, it's few table talk radio. Under that's under the that's under the table talk radio points. Is what that is. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm ready for my last one. Okay. Last phrase for you. I believe this is from the third article of the creed. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Yes. Um, one of the uh, great passages uh, in the forgiveness of sins is. John 19:30 Therefore when Jesus had received the sour wine he said it is finished and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit uh, there Jesus was talking about the the work required to uh, atone for sins to uh, to to win the salvation for uh, for for people uh, the atonement was was completed right there but if that's not explicit enough for you I have other passages yeah um, yeah I'm ready Matthew 26:28 uh, this is in the institution of the Lord's Supper. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Nice. So there uh, we have it. And, and you know, the, the third article is all about uh, the church today. And so here we have the forgiveness of sins given out um, in the Lord's Supper as we have it in the very words of Christ.
um, which is what the Lord's Supper is all about, is the forgiveness of sins. Uh, John twenty twenty three. You you quoted this one, so I I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm telling this from you. It's, we're st- it's it's pretty good because we're um, I mean it's really the same question. Uh, what the gospel is the forgiveness of sins. So a lot of the same texts apply. Right. So you know it's a good thing that we're we're using the same verse. Okay. So uh, John twenty. You said this one. Uh, he breathed on them, received my whole uh, Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, uh, then they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. And also. Uh, Acts chapter 2, Peter said to them, Repent, each of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. So, proved it. Proved it. All right, we'll be right back and play some Mythbusters right after this. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Table Talk Radio will be right back. There is no way to capture the wonderful gifts that the Lord gives in baptism, but I've worked on a baptismal certificate that tries, that tries to capture the scriptures and the Lord's teaching of grace and mercy and forgiveness in baptism. Baptismal certificates that you can hang on the wall and treasure for a lifetime. If you go to wolfsoncreative.com, you can find these certificates. Order them for your church or for your family as well. That's W-O-L-F-S-O-N-C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E.com. Welcome back to Table Talker Radio. If you want to communicate to us on anything you've heard um, on Table Talker Radio, you can do so by giving us a call at 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-SOLA, or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Do not send an email to answers at tabletalkradio.org. <laughs> Uh, all the Calvinists. So, oh man, it'll be like the <laughs> prayers of those that aren't elect. I know. I, I have a bit. Let's set up an email. <laughs> Calvinists. At, you want to? Yeah, do that? that's what I was going. Calvinists at table like and it'll go straight to our junk mail. <laughs> uh, yeah, what? Is, that's the, when you set a filter on your email. It's like how the Lord does when He operates on the uh, elect. <laughs> <laughs> we should, we could, I guess we could condescend to listen to a Calvinist blogger. <laughs> well, now that we have an official, I think this Radio doctrine, Calvinist this blogger. doctrine of condescension, is one of the worst uh, features of Calvinism. By the way, this idea that, I mean, because what? So, so the idea of condescension. Do you know? Do you, have you? Uh, um, have we ever talked about this? I, the I, Calvinists I, say that God condescends to talk to us. He condescends to human level. He condescends to uh, uh, so that the thing. But the point is, 
well, that, that could, that just might very well be true, but you would never know the difference because if God has to condescend to talk to us, it's like, well, God has to condescend to talk to everyone else, but we Calvinists know that he's condescending because we know where, that the higher nature of God, his non-condescending. In other words, if God condescends, that's all we would ever know. We wouldn't know that there's something different. Uh, so the so the talk of condescension is to assume that we can know something about God that He hasn't condescended to tell us about. You see. Mm. Uh, so is that uh, confirmed, plausible, or busted? Oh, are we playing MythBusters already? <laughs> sure. God condescends to talk to us. It's plausible but annoying to talk about. <laughs> That's a new category. Because uh, I, I wish I I, I I need to kind of tighten this up, the argument up a little bit. Uh, so let's oh, sorry, so take a child, okay? Pretend like you're a baby, and and and. All right, and now, and I'm talking to you, and I'm talking baby, baby talk to you, because that's the only thing you can understand, right? Right. And now you say, but you're a baby, and you say, well, uh, he's talking baby talk to me, so that I can understand, but he normally talks human talk. Well, no, if you're a baby, and all you can understand is baby talk, you don't know that there's anything different, see? So as soon as, so you don't know that someone's condescending to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, so that the assumption that you know that God is condescending destroys the doctrine of condescension itself. I got I got to work on how to say this a little more clearly. I'm not I, I don't think it's coming across right. Yeah, try try to fit into a sound bite so I have some material for the opening. Yeah. All right. Yeah, the hook. <laughs> People listen to that say, "Oh, I want to listen to that show." Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're going Maybe nuts. if they gave away fake to- uh, fake points, and then I would. <laughs> Especially when you're going nuts like Will Ferrell. <laughs> yeah. Let's see here. Okay, so we have we have a few uh, a few uh, lines here to to analyze for MythBusters. Um, the first one is one that I hear all the time, and it is you say that like it, you don't like it. Am, am, am I uh, not being objective in this entry? Okay, here's one. God, <laughs> oh, God created us so that we would worship Him. Oh, oh nice. God create. Okay, God created us so that we would worship Him. Now, what's the problem with that? Tell me. Um. Well, okay. I, it puts a. I'm just trying to picture this this God, who's who. Is sitting around going, you know, what I could really use right now is some praise and adoration. And what I'm going to do is create humans and see how good they are at it. And so he creates Adam and Eve and they fall. And as all of a sudden, okay, his praise and ador- his adoration is worthless apart from Christ. So, I mean, sunk. But he does have angels who praise him all the time and they do a better job than humans. Um, again, uh, because in our sinfulness that we we can't know God and, and praise God, uh, it, it's only because that that Christ has redeemed us that we uh, that 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 we worship Him, and it has a tendency to put the focus on uh, of worship on the, on the wrong foot. The focus of of worship there there is praise and adoration in worship, but the 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 main thing in worship is that that God gives us His gifts in worship that that. That he comes down to us to, to to deliver forgiveness and salvation through means like like um, a pastor talking to you ooh, or water or bread and wine. And he's giving you these gifts so that that you can have the the real forgiveness of sins from God 
and then and then we we respond in thanksgiving and praise and prayer um but i don't know what do you think of that that analysis well i think that's fine except for what if what if um what if our reception of the lord's gifts in praise and uh, i i mean our believing his promise and having his forgiveness is worship okay then then i think that would be a red understanding but that's not the context you hear it right yeah yeah. okay that's right so so if you can because because that's what worship is god desires that we worship by faith this uh, in this way that we believe uh, and receive the gifts he gives that's that's hey, that's book of concord kind of stuff or or um that that uh that the only thing the lord wants from us is the is the acknowledgement that he gives us everything <laughs> right so so um to, you mean to, to to work against this this uh this understanding instead of saying that god created us so that he would that we would worship him we can say this that god created us so that so that he could give us love and forgiveness and salvation. Uh, I don't know. How's that? Uh, yeah, that's fine. But th- that we can and, receive and, his gifts. And we want to understand that that precisely is what worship is. That is precisely right. what worship is. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good. So, I, I mean, I guess you could say this is plausible depending on your definition of worship. Right. That's right. Okay. Uh, the next one is God wants us to be happy. This is another very tricky one. All right, let's have your uh, your uh, you picked all these because I think they are particularly great on you. <laughs> Mostly because I mean, one of you guys realize you dear listeners realize that one of the requirements for being a seminarian is being grumpy. <laughs> I know they need is to have tr- is that true? They need to have some classes or something like that so that we can work on that. But <laughs> the happy class. <laughs> <laughs> the get along with people, the 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 don't act according to your personality class. <laughs> oh, I, I that would, would be, that would be it. overcoming the obstacle of your personality. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is, I mean, being there for four years, you wouldn't have enough time. Yeah, yeah. And it most of the guys would that... fail. <laughs> <laughs> this class is stupid. D. <laughs> This is useless. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see how that goes. <laughs> oh man! All right. Um, so, yeah. So, so that the, this for the seminarians are like this. I mean, anything, anything, any sentence with God and happy in it is is instant uh, fodder for rejection. Is that that's true? So God, God wants. That's the myth we're looking up. God wants us to be happy. Okay. So let's have it, Grumpy. <laughs> okay, well, the way this one is, is normally used, a lot, all these have to do with the context of which they're typically used. Yeah. Um, the way this one is usually used is, is as an excuse to um, do something which God would normally for, forbid. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. So, that's right. Uh, well, um, sure, I, I, I'm married to Sue, but I'm not really happy in that marriage, and... and and God wants me to be happy after all, so I can, you know, divorce Sue and, and marry Jane. Um, that'd be an example of how this is used. Yeah, you're right. And that's so. What you're doing there? There's a there's three things going on. This is the heresy two step. Remember the old heresy two step? So you take a phrase, uh, something in the Bible, God wants whatever. Then you abstract it. So now it's happiness. You internalize it, and then you wiggle around with it. That's the heresy two step. And the, so 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 now you're abstracting God's commandments. 
because God has given us his commandments that we might have contentment in life, things like this. But now you're, we're saying, no, no, what it, what it really means is my happiness apart from anything sort of real. And so, so now the standard of God's law is completely internal. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that, that this one can be properly understood if, uh, if we're happy on God's terms. <laughs> if, if, God, if God gets to call what happy is. So yeah, that, yeah. So that God wants us to be happy uh, having faith in him, trusting in him. And if, yeah. if that means that I have to endure the cross of a tough marriage, if that means that I have to endure the cross of a, of a difficult job, or you know whatever your vocation is, insert your cross here. <laughs> Bad radio show. That but that in the midst of this cross <laughs> of listening to a terrible radio show, in the midst of this cross that you're trusting in Him and knowing that that uh, that He is is taking care of you, and that uh, that because of Christ's work that we have salvation in Him, no matter what cross befalls us, then we're happy, and that's the kind of happiness God wants. Yeah, that's happen. exactly right. So, pla- so again, this is plausible. Plausible, but plausible. as we nor- got to have the right definition of happy. That's right. But as normally used, probably busted. <laughs> All right, right, that's it for us. Thank you for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio, where the points are like your smile of contentment on Judgment Day. <laughs> it won't help. <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.